Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to Malmoneal Property with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. Now, if you tuned in last week, you would have heard Emily just um, throw the kitchen sink at me and ask me every question under the sun, which I... Uh, gladly appreciated it was good uh, it was a good old yarn emily and i so if you haven't listened to it um go back a week and and tune in but today i get to return this beautiful favor so i'm going to have some hard-hitting questions for emily about her journey along the way so that the listeners can get to know just who the hosts are that are in your ear on a on a regular basis so emily are you looking forward to this i am indeed hopefully nothing too hard no, no, I'll go easy on you. So uh, let's do it. All right, so I'm going back to childhood here. I'm, wow. I'm looking right hard and personal. Um, early on, what was your number one childhood memory? Oh, I think probably the biggest thing would be a lot of singing and dancing and putting on shows. It's probably my biggest childhood memory, bossing my two little brothers around, getting them involved in the plays that I would make them do. <laughs> that was probably right. a lot of my childhood. <laughs> okay. So did you think that you were destined for Broadway at that stage? <laughs> I loved performing and I did a lot of performing arts all the way through to year 12, actually, even uni. Um, but no, it was definitely always a hobby. I don't think I had the talent to be anything beyond the uh, school musical stage. So, yeah, mm, that's where interesting. it belongs. Well, well, I've already learned something today and we're only a minute in. <laughs> uh, performing arts was, was a, would you call it a passion or a hobby or just something you simply enjoyed doing? Yeah, I just enjoyed doing it. I started off probably a bit more generic and then I got into uh classical and opera singing when I was in year six, I think, all the way through into uni and just bit of the bit of a weird, you know, choir kid probably is how I would describe myself. <laughs> choir captain. So uh, so do you like do you go to choirs and, and what do you call them? Events today? I, yeah, I go and watch. I want to get back I actually got into the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra chorus as a member. And uh, that was just before uh, March 2020 when everything went back to online. So it was a bit hard to sing through Zoom with multiple people. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. But I do, I like, I love musicals. I love theatre, all that sort of stuff. That's definitely, in my downtime, that's where you'll find me. Amazing. Yeah. So if there's that awkward silence in one of our uh, podcass, you can just chime in with a, a, a totally. quick line. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. Okay. So let's turn our hand to a property question here because mm -hmm. um, this is what we're here for and this is the yeah. type of show we run. <laughs> what made you get into property? Um, either answer this as a, a buyer's agent or as a, a property enthusiast. Really, I think the biggest 
reason I got in is because I saw a gap for people like me in the market. And I grew up around property. I loved property. I've lived in a lot of houses. Mum and dad were investors, still are. And I went through the process of buying my own investment property solo. I didn't even know what a buyer's advocate was when I actually bought my first property. And after the fact, when I learnt about it, it just made so much sense. And I think the, the biggest thing came from, I think, entering and being a different personality in the property space, someone who was the same demographic as first home buyers and educating them. That's probably the biggest reason that I got into it is to help others, but also because I just love looking at houses. Like my hobby outside of browsing realestate.com is then browsing Airbnbs. So like, yeah, I would say I I live and breathe looking at property and absolutely love it. That's great. So you mentioned that your parents, uh, you lived in a lot of houses because they were rent vesters. Did they teach you that philosophy? That was that, and I suppose a side question of that, what sort of knowledge did they empower you with um, to, to get on that journey? So they weren't rent investors as such. They were just heavy investors more generally. So okay. a lot of um, a lot of different investment properties, some in like different areas like Noosa before Noosa took off, mm-hmm. joint ventures into larger commercial, um, particularly dad more so into commercial space. Um, we moved around a lot because they liked to renovate. So they did a couple of flipping of houses, which worked quite well. Um, and then ultimately built our big family home as well. Uh, so yeah, I think the exposure to it and it being the norm to, you know, pick up the real estate guide on the Saturday when it used to be distributed down in Tassie, um, and flicking through with them and looking at all the pictures that was literally like, since I was eight or nine, we'd do that every weekend. So yeah, the exposure to it and just the idea of being surrounded by property was really good. But then probably in my sort of teenage to early 20 years was more being aware of dad's investments and the possibility of property investment that was probably the key driver behind getting involved myself. Yeah, okay. And and your dad has been on the show as a guest uh, talking has. a bit of commercial stuff. Um, do you, the, your parents, because you grew up in Tasmania, um, yes. are they still down there today? Yeah, dad's still down there. He, um, I've been trying to get him to move to Melbourne because I think he'd love it. But uh, I've recruited my brother to Melbourne, which has been nice. Yes, but no, there's are still down there. Dad's actually on the hunt for a property for himself at the moment, um, which is interesting to observe what he's looking. He's annoying all the real estate agents down there. I'm sure they're sick of his phone calls <laughs> inquiring <laughs> about everything. Yeah. But yes, they, they are still down there. Yeah. Awesome. And you you spoke about the, the niche for the industry or, or maybe the gap in the market. Um, what did you see was lacking um, for you? And, and I suppose, again, aside to that question, you, you went and bought your first property without a buyer's agent, but did you then come in contact with some buyer's agents and, and understood that, yeah, I can I can find a gap here and I think I can fix it? Yeah. So the biggest gap I think was I saw no one like myself in the industry. Well, at least not in Melbourne. I couldn't find, and I've always been a a person who sees people, not gender. So I, but in this situation, I didn't see any young females helping other young females or young first home buyers in the space. And so that's where I really saw the gap in the market was to be someone who is that person who's relatable and doing the same sorts of things and having the same sorts of goals without being disrespectful. A lot of the the demographic was 
older males who'd been doing it for years and years and it was all about promoting you know 30 plus years experience in the industry and that doesn't appeal to everybody and I'm also not for everybody either you know like vice versa it's yeah a bit of diversity so yeah I found out about a buyer's agent or a buyer's advocate after my purchase um, which considering the knowledge I had I didn't do too badly on my own but my every subsequent purchase, I've had assistance from a BA um, in different states um, because I do believe in outsourcing and I do believe in expert you know, advice in certain areas as well. Yeah, cool. So I, I would have thought that um, having a, a younger BA come into the area or, or come into the, the industry as such would be quite refreshing for a lot of people. And, and I think you, you mentioned that, yeah, you're not for everyone, but no one is, right? So, mm. but they... They, if they're used to these crumpy old men that have been there 30 years, as you mentioned, like it would be quite refreshing. Refreshing, yes. I don't think I was that well received by the general community because no one likes change. I mean, uh, I feel like I did disrupt a little bit um, here in Melbourne when I first entered, but that's okay. Uh, I think over time it's, it's sort of evened out. I think any industry is always uh, cautious of new people entering or new ways of doing things. Probably the biggest thing was social media presence. When I looked online, no buyer's advocate was doing video content or educational content that you could just learn something just because they were giving it to you, not because you had to pay for it. So I think the approach of educational content really threw a lot of the industry. Uh, And so I did have to tread carefully as to what I put out there as well, because you don't want to be giving advice that's not in your domain. Um, but ultimately it did, it did pay off because it, it gained a following of people who were keen to learn and that's who I want to work with, people who were keen to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And, and did you find there was lack of collaboration within the buyer's agent industry as, as a result of all that? Like they're older, they're just doing their own thing and, and, and didn't want to share their knowledge or their expertise with anyone? Yes, more so state specific. So I actually sought a couple of mentors outside of Melbourne because I guess they didn't really see me as competition um, and they were willing to help. Um, Funnily enough, it has turned around here in Melbourne. Um, We are quite collaborative and I catch up with a lot of BAs in the industry quite regularly for coffee and just, you know, chats about different things we're working on, which has been great. But it is a very growing industry and it is quite a small industry at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think collaboration is key. I love collaborating with other BAs, but it just takes time. It does take time. Yeah. So let's turn our hand to your property journey, right? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you've um, you purchased your first property. Um, you've used buyer's agents since to purchase subsequent properties. Where, without getting too personal, where do you want to take your property journey? Well, I'm a bit of a crossroads without turning into a clarity call, John. Um <laughs> I am at a big crossroads because I have pre-approval to buy my own property now, like something to live in. Now I didn't, yes. so I've got I've got three investment properties for reference, mm-hmm. and they're all doing fine. They're all going up in value. They're all renting well. I'm very happy with them. They're pretty low maintenance now that I've got good tenants. And so now the question is, do I go ahead and buy something in? Uh, the area I really want to live in, which is Elwood. I've been, I've mentioned it many times on the show, but I love Elwood. I've actually just today been given an off-market property that like I really want to go and look at. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
this is the advantage of being a BA in the area is I'm getting access to everything, which is great. (laughs) It's so good. So what Um, are you doing talking to me? You should be out there looking for it. (laughs) I know, but then my debacle is, you know, it, it does take a fair bit and I feel my client's pain now. It does take a fair bit to get the deposit and plus stamps. Stamps are a damn killer. Um, Do Am I actually smarter to invest more money back into my own business and get it really humming along and, you know, potentially doubling again before I then go for something that actually might be a longer term? What I buy now is probably only a five to seven year plan. What I could buy with, you know, the business doubling is probably more like a 15 plus year plan. So that's that's where I'm at a crossroads at the moment. So, yeah. yeah, my journey is taking a bit of a turbulent turn. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. I won't answer that um, live here today. Okay. I, I do have my <laughs> thoughts on it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so just quickly on that, if you don't go and buy your own rock, uh, will you just continue to rent vest for the next five, six, seven years? Uh, yeah, I'll probably uh, for at least the next two to three years. I'll probably buy another one, another yeah. one that's my purchases have been quite small in terms of the dollar value. I'll probably buy something that's maybe a little bit bigger, and instead of buying two small ones, um, I don't really necessarily want accumulation of heaps and heaps of properties, but good value, and then revisit and buy something for myself. Mm. Okay, yeah. cool. Mm. Before we go to a break, I just want to ask you one last question. Mm. Um, when you're looking for property for clients, do you have any non-negotiables that you like to apply to all searches? Oh, that's a good one. Probably I used to say that I would never buy something that I wouldn't personally live in, but sometimes I've come across clients that have a very specific taste that is very different to me and and you have to take the emotion out of it. So that's definitely changed because there are some things that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would live there, but they love it and that's their home. But probably the biggest non-negotiable is regardless of it being their own home, it needs to be able to more generally go up in value. And whether that's through value adding or the location or the potential uh, prospects of infrastructure and change in the area. I don't want to be buying properties that just sit there and have no growth at all because I think that's a very costly mistake even as a homeowner to make. So I'm very uh, adamant about the attributes that go into buying that because not every property goes up in value and I think people need to be aware of that. I've seen people sell out at a loss of the properties that we buy and I wouldn't want that to be one of my clients. No, absolutely. Yep, great advice. Okay, love it. Um, I've got a heap more for you. So we're going to take a break and then we'll come back with more. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are 
takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. All right, we're back. Now I'm getting really personal here. Oh. Do you have any regrets up until these early years in your life? Not that I can think of. Probably the only thing I would change in some regards is backing myself to start a business sooner. Mm -hmm. But then again, I was only 25 when I did start it. So I'm kind of like, would I have had enough knowledge to even make it a successful business anyway? That's probably the only thing I'd in hindsight, wish I'd like taken the plunge a little bit sooner, but then not a regret, just a reflection, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So now we have to, we're, we need to be in and working for someone for, I think, two years before we can start our own buyer's agent um, firm or in New South anyway. Uh, so yeah, you'd need to be essentially 20 if you were going to do it then. But what did you do prior to 25 that you may have not enjoyed or was a stepping stone to starting your own business? Uh, I probably did get a case of golden handcuffs for a period of time. I was in a really good position. So I studied education. I didn't go into the classroom. I actually went into education recruitment and I loved my job at in within that space. Then from there, I got exposed to other opportunities that were more corporate recruitment jobs. And I did have a case of being on a very, very good salary at a young age where, yeah, I kind of, to be honest, stuck it out a bit longer than I thought I would have um, and probably- Because of the money? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, golden handcuffs as they say. Uh, But I also had to be strategic with it because I needed to save enough money that I could go out and do my business. So it was a bit of a catch-22. I don't regret doing it as such, but it probably wasn't like the most enjoyable- um, experience, I guess. So there were some days where I really didn't want to go to work, which I don't, you know, have that feeling anymore, thank goodness. But mm-hmm. certainly like, oh, okay, yep, up we go on the train, get the coffee, <laughs> go yeah. into the office, Friday night drinks, living for the weekend. But that yeah. wasn't actually that big of a period in my life when I, you know, in reflection, it wasn't huge. But yeah, I did have to do it. That's okay. Yeah, Very good. I, I, like I take... Uh, when I when I look at you and I listen to you speak, I think very mature for your age. Now you don't need to divulge your age, but <laughs> I, I, where did you where did you get that maturity from? People, in all honesty, have said that since I was about fifteen. A lot of people, even like just family friends, who are very you're very well spoken, you're very mature for your age. I think it comes down to being the eldest of three and taking on a lot of parental responsibilities at a young age and just being, yeah, having to act older than I was. I think that's probably where that comes from. Mm -hmm. Then the other piece is also throwing myself into a lot of learning. I feel like 
the more I learn, the more I know, the more, you know, I can speak to different audiences and people. Yeah, so I think it's a combination of both of those things. Yeah, because I had an answer for you already prepared and it wasn't oh, that. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was my thinking was because you got in, into an industry where everyone was so much older, oh, you had, yeah. to, had to quickly mature and get yourself uh, <laughs> to, to their level sort of thing. And, their, and um, yeah, anyway, that was... I that think that's probably right. part of it too. Everyone, yeah. honestly, pretty much every deal I do, every interaction I have, uh, everyone's older than me, you know, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that does happen. And the team I was managing in recruitment, every, I was the youngest person on the team and I was managing everybody else. So, yeah, it has – I have had a couple of instances like that where, yeah, you do have to level up a bit. Yeah. And, and have you ever, like, sort of elephant in the room stuff, like young female in a male-dominated older industry, have you ever had real sort of not, – not backlash but, like, who do you think you are sort of thing? Funnily enough, not from males. It's all from no. every time I've had any backlash, it's actually been from a female. Really? So, yeah, very, very interesting. I would have expected that uh, being naive and coming in, I would have thought it might be, yeah, what do you know? Who are you coming mm. from the dominant male bodies of the industry? But no, actually, surprisingly, more so the female side. There you go. Well, mm. there you go. <laughs> you never know, do you? Yep. All right. <laughs> You asked a good question to me and I'm going to repeat it because it sounded good. Um, Any property anywhere in the world, where are you buying it? What does it look like? Uh, Is it it, um, character home? Is it um, it a modern look? Is it Hampton style? What is it? Great question. I really love the idea, definitely modern. I'm a sucker for modern, but... Well done, tasteful modern, nothing too out there modern. Mm-hmm. We, on, uh, you know, at work as in a team, we often just troll the map of realestate.com and land in yes. different spots every now and again. I, I love so many different parts of the coast. I'm talking about Australia. Uh, yeah, coastal areas are probably my favourite, but as to living anywhere, I'd probably say... I'd like the Byron Bay equivalent of what Byron Bay was 15 years ago where it wasn't hustle bustle in the hub. Like where does that exist? I'm not entirely sure, but I'd love to find like the understated place of Byron Bay that might become a Byron Bay in 15 years. Yes, yeah, and and I think everyone's trying to find those places because they've mm. seen how much growth they've, uh, that Byron and, and Surrounds has had in the last 10 years, right? Correct. Yeah, I, I love that. So the, the beachy lifestyle but the natural laid-back half-hippie st- style setup, yeah? Correct, yeah, yeah. most okay. definitely. And you've got pets or pet? Uh, two pets, you, you, yeah. two pets. So you you you're thinking you need like five bedroom for all the kids you're going to have, and, as well as the, as well as the pets. And you a need pet a, bedroom each, a, a lush backyard. Like let's go into a bit of detail here. Okay. Well, I think the biggest thing would be low maintenance, modern, really like three bed plus a study with a good lawn. And something that has a view, that is probably the key thing. Growing up in Tassie, I didn't realise that it it's probably not normal to have a property where you see the water, but so much of Tassie oh. faces the water. It's just yes. something that you just have. Whereas, yeah. you know, Sydney, Melbourne, you pay an absolute premium for that. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely something with a water view at the very mm. least or maybe a hill ranges type of view. 
But yeah, uh, yeah modern, neat, low maintenance. I do not want to be cleaning the house continually. Just enough that the Dyson doesn't need recharging is a good measure of yeah. floor space. Oh, how good's a Dyson? Um, <laughs> so it sounds to me as though when, when that is, 20 years, 15 years, 30 years, whatever, that it might not be in, uh, in Melbourne. Well, maybe not. I feel like over time I, my lifestyle will change to not be hustle bustle. I've still got a lot of traveling in me to do, I think. Um, probably the last couple of years have halted that because the business hasn't had the chance to grow as fast as it would. So yeah, my idea is to get the business to a position where it doesn't rely upon me and then actually be online and travel for mm. a period of time and then figure out exactly where I want to be. Very good. And, and I can see that's already occurring because you've added a few staff to the list in the last six months or so, haven't you? I have. Got two new team members, Harry and Anthony. Um, we're going to go through a rebrand at some point as well. So it's coming to a point where the only reason I actually named the business my name was because I couldn't think of a name. It's the only thing that was stopping me from quitting. So you I was like, just screw think it. Of, um, solution? <laughs> yeah, couldn't think of solution. So no. I yeah. just went with that. But yes, it is going through a process, which is such an interesting process. And I've got a business coach helping me through it. But to be on a journey where the end goal is to have a business that's not reliant upon you is a really yes. interesting concept. Um, and one that I'm trying to embrace and I'm getting better at. But yeah, that's ultimately what I'm leading to is to be able to be online, but from anywhere in the world. Mm. Well, you're a prominent figure in podcast world now. So getting the attention away from you might be a little bit hard down the track, um, but <laughs> you're putting the steps in place for that to happen so you can live anywhere in the world, still run your business and, uh, and, and oversee a, a, a good quality team of people. Correct. And we only need internet to record the podcast. So from anywhere, oh, and obviously the gear that we have, but yes. I'll be available. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, on that line, why M3? Why two years ago, a little bit more, you came on as a guest early days and the, the listeners were overwhelmed with how good that episode was and then episodes to the point where uh, we basically headhunted you and said you need to come in and, and replace Glenn because we need the nice male-female domination and you've got energy and you've got vibe and you've got experience and why M3? I think the biggest thing is the community is one that I feel has no judgment and I think that's so important that mm. the community that Glenn and yourself and, and all the others have really created is that it feels like a really safe space and Neutral is not the right word, but it's kind of this point where, yeah, there's no judgment, a lot of inclusion, and I feel like there's certain communities where you can pick a certain person that belongs in a, in a certain community, whereas M3, I feel like really anyone could be part of it. So I, I really like that, the ability to reach many people. Obviously, a killer co-host is one of the reasons I definitely stuck <laughs> yeah. around. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I really, honestly, I do love the community that has been created um, and the approachability of that community as well is really, really important, if that's even a word, approachability. Yeah. But we'll roll with well, that. it is now. <laughs> and wasn't that evident at the live shows? Like oh, yeah. You've got anyone and everyone in the room um, and all ages, it was just 
it's fantastic to eyeball the the listeners that are out there. So if you if you do yourself a favour and get there next year, um, closest capital city to you. But yeah, it was really evident, wasn't it, to see um, just who, who is out there and how diverse they are. Yeah, definitely. Diversity is probably the biggest thing that that pops up, and the ability to help others, like community members, helping each other within the group as well. I'd love seeing mm. posts where people reach out for advice, and everyone you know chimes in on their experience or what they think, and it's not in a judgmental way or no. a nasty way or anything like that. It's very inclusive, which I think to be able to create a community like that is very impressive. Totally, yeah, and it's um, it saves us having to give all the advice online as well, isn't Indeed. it? Indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, last question. What does the future hold for the Melbourne property markets? Ooh, and I say markets because we've got a whole range of them. We've got different types, units, townhouses, apartments. We've got southeastern, northern, eastern, whatever you – yeah, go for it. Everywhere. I said this on an episode probably – a month or two ago and I, I'm still sticking with it because I think it will happen. The main market that I think we will see continue to unexpectedly grow or be in demand is actually the apartment market and that's largely due to the location of apartments, the lifestyle that they provide in a post-COVID environment and the influx of immigration to be in once what was the uh, – most livable city in the world. So I think probably the key thing around that is the apartment market. And I'm not talking your cookie cutter apartments. Like I'm not talking about your super high rises that have crammed, you know, a two bedroom into 65 square meters. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about good quality, low density apartments in good areas close to public transport I they did suffer really badly in COVID. I'm seeing them bounce back and I think that will continue. And then I think secondary to that, when you think about middle ring, the townhouse slash villa market, three bedroom, two bathroom, one car sort of set up um, will continue to grow. And I'm already seeing a swing back where the outer areas for the sea change, tree change were really popular, actually really struggling at the moment. Like we've got clients in those areas and I'm seeing price drops left, right and centre. The appeal isn't there anymore. The city's coming back. And so, yeah, I I think it's already starting to swing the other way where the unpopular properties are becoming popular Um, and it'll be interesting to see how people sort of cotton on to those trends over time. But mm. that's just my personal prediction. That doesn't mean that's going to happen, but it is no. a somewhat informed opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's valid. And, and the big thing about what you mentioned is the uh, international migration returning and, and they're coming back in their droves, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah watch this space in Melbourne. Indeed. Indeed. Mm. All right, well, we're going to call it a wrap there. But uh, so for anyone listening that doesn't know what Emily does, she's a buyer's agent in Melbourne and it's not just her. Uh, she's having a name change, or not her <laughs> personally, but the the, the brand itself. Um, she's got a team of people that uh, predominantly, I'd say, own or occupy homes uh, in Melbourne, whether that be unit, townhouse, um, house. She is the buyer's agent on the ground that you need in your pocket if you're looking to buy anything in Melbourne and 
you can find her on Instagram. She's there a lot more often than I am <laughs> and she's on the Facebook page and she's the co-host of the podcast and she does a magnificent job and I'm very lucky to co-host with her. Right back at you, John. All right. Well, hopefully you got something from that two-part little mini-series that we've created. Um, but as always, if you've got questions, throw them in the group. Uh, we'll, we'll be continuing to do Q&As. We can't answer everyone's questions, but we'll try our best. And uh, we look forward to being in your ears sometime again soon. And thanks for your support over the journey. Until then, we'll speak soon. Okay, bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And if you're a first home buyer, I have the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts.